This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to the Futurology Show. As always, Mondays, 3 o'clock, after a busy weekend and lots happening out there, um, uh, we're back here to talk about it and look at what's coming still. I am so excited to say that today I'm being selfish and I'm keeping B2 all to myself. We have no guest. Hello, Ooh. Brett. How's it, Brett? How are you doing? <laughs> I just thought it's been so long since you and I have actually had a chance to chat. And every time we start, we get sidetracked. And yeah. uh, in fact, there I go again. There's two sidetracks. I cannot believe me, the big Angry Birds fan that I am, that I didn't even mention the fact that I went to the premiere last week. I know. I was like, the whole time I was like, dude... You went there. You even left with that, hey, there's going to be some sort of Easter egg or nest egg or something at the end yeah. of the movie. And like, no one, you left us all hanging. I know. Well, I apologize. So I think it started on Friday, last week, Friday yeah. on the 13th. So people might have seen it already. Um, it was awesome. I mean, it is such a great movie, uh, for adults and kids. The innuendos and the, the implied, um, jokes, you know, that, that, like any, I suppose, any kids animation movie in this yeah. day and age. Uh, my favorite one is um, the bomb bird. I mean, he's always been my favorite, but he um, he he photo bombs in the movie, oh, which I just thought was like so apt, you know. I saw in the trailer when he uh, um, he actually gets uh, he blows up and because uh, he gets a surprise. Yes, that's fantastic. It's it's really cool how they how they're starting to adapt these movies into uh, all these games into great movies, I mean, and also comic books. You look at how they've adapted. You know, what was old technology con- or old traditional content is now making really great new rich media. I know. and But have you noticed, though, like the real stuff that no one knows about, like things like Suicide Squad, all the movies that are coming. Oh, yes, yeah. You know, that no one – everyone goes, oh, yeah, there was a comic. No, there wasn't. You didn't even know. It was just like a character within someone else's character within yeah. someone else's character. Yeah. But it's uh, – and, you know, the one thing that I did love is the fact that it's the kind of movie that you want to watch on the big screen. You know, like yeah, for sure. everyone's like, oh, Angry Birds, I can watch it at home. I'll get on Blu-ray. It, it really, the power, because they were using that seven and one sound uh, surround. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're in a village scene and there's chattering going on. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. I'm not going to carry on down on Angry Birds because, I mean, I could for the whole hour. But I think as a precursor, the other yeah. thing that we forgot to talk about, and I actually said it um, at the beginning of the show, is like, Brett, you were away and you can tell us all about it and boom, off we went. Look, a squirrel. Yeah. So, you and I were chatting during the week and planning for the show and we decided, yes, we'll be selfish and more importantly, we're going to talk about content and what you saw over there. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to break tradition too much and yes, we are going to come back to it, I promise. But I want to go into the app of the week and the kind of things first. For sure. Um, so, again, keeping in the theme of content. Um, so, the theme today is actually, are you content with your content, because oh, those you of you see, that are reading, you should have saved that for the yeah. end. But that could have been your closing digital but philosophy. So everybody reading this thing, saying, "Are you content with your content?" Uh, yeah. No, it's are you content, happy with your content? All right, guys. So when you've looked at the podcast, are you content with your content? See, we're trying uh, to be clever. But, very uh, clever. No, no, I'll give we'll you that one. That. Yeah. I don't even know where my applause button is, but you've got a Woo-hoo. verbal. There we go. <laughs> so the app that I came across this week, and I, I, th- I think it was probably well timed, given the fact that we're talking about con- content, content, yep. <laughs> um, content. Um, it's called Next Episode, okay. and there's a reason why I looked at this as well. The challenge that I have now, for anyone that knows me, is um, I'm a series binge watcher. So I like to get the whole series and then watch it like bang in a weekend or whatever, yeah. or 12 episodes yeah. clapped. I'm there. The problem that I have nowadays is because, and you, you probably experience the same with you and I being so plugged in and so online, the spoilers are destroying me. 
So this year I decided I'm not doing that anymore. I'm now doing the week by week like all the other oh, wow. normal people. So and and most of fingernails. I I do, but is, the problem I hate is the way some of those tra- those those episodes end. They're like it's mad. Yeah. And then the problem that you have with it is that you can't freaking remember because now I'm watching all the series at the same time as opposed <laughs> to binge. So it's really hurting the brain. Um, so I'm sure I, you fall asleep and you have like a mismatch of your own thing. You could like probably write your own like offspring of all of these well, series. You, you actually joke. I watch so many series that are aligned. You know, you know, because it says because you watch this, you're like this when you're watching yes, Netflix. Yes. And that. So of course, what do I do? I go and watch it, and then I start like melding the shows together. It's yeah. exactly what happens, and I think that's probably a relevant topic to today's topic. Yeah. But this this app that I, I came across is called Next Episode. I mean, it's pretty damn self-explanatory. But what I really liked about it, it it tracks the shows you watch. Now, that's not unique. And there are hundreds of apps out there. In fact, just Google apps to help you watch series and you'll get them. What made next episode my choice and the reason I went for it is twofold. One, it does uh, push notifications of premiere and cancellations. I don't want to invest in a series that's going to be canceled. Nope. So, you know… Even though we are behind here in South Africa on terrestrial-type broadcast, if you're watching Netflix and you're watching Hulu and that, you have the opportunity to watch pretty much in real time. Yeah. I'm not going to invest myself. So that that feature on next episode is very cool. It is cross-platform, iOS and Android, um, but it also makes the recommendations for you. Now, yeah. everyone's going, yeah, but so does Netflix and so does Hulu. This is making recommendations on the show you're watching. So it's, it's, it's network agnostic, yeah. which I think is cool. It's not just like what they have to offer you. That's awesome. Is it one of those things as well that says, well, you like to watch predominantly 24-minute episodes, so we're going to show you more 24-minute things? It does. It okay, has yeah, got that cool. kind of AR. Because that's the thing. I mean, people are these days, it's one thing to be very choosy about what it is that we watch. But we also try to be mindful of the time in which we watch it. Exactly. I mean, those moments between moments, the bus stop content, if you will. So while you're waiting for something, you can catch five minutes of this. So you can do that. Um, I remember, I think the TED Talk or the TED.com was one of the first to say, I want to watch a five-minute piece of episode that is inspiring. I want to watch a five-minute episode that's uh, amazing. Or I want to watch a 25-minute talk that's going to do something even better. And you've got all of these different parameters that you can start to check. Now, that was actual engagement when you're trying to to work with Ted but this is something that does it for you almost intuitively so the more you watch a certain type of thing the more you get exposed to it and it, because it's like not locked into Netflix or Hulu yeah, it's giving you the choices I mean I've found some gems I think I might even mention Banshee before Yeah, now Banshee is now available and it's season 4 I think and it's yeah. mainstream but before then it had probably gone under the radar for about a year or two before people actually realized what that show was about. And there's many like that, yeah. you know. So that's my app of the week. Um, oh, the other reason why I suggest you use an app like this, because we're in this this content consumption world, okay, we also seem to watch from multiple platforms. And yeah. what I mean by that is you can watch a show on DSTV. But then you can also watch it on online, like on a normal web online. You can download it, I suppose, as yeah. well. And then you can watch it on demand, like a, a, a streaming service. But each individual um, platform that you're using records what you watched on its platform. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that's the episode you were on. Yes. So here you're logging your episode. So if you watched it like, online because you were somewhere yeah. and you come back to DSTV, you can actually say, oh, hold on a second, I've seen seri- uh, episode six. Yes. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um, and again, with it being our, our content uh, discussion, I just thought that next episode uh, made sense. Well, there's been some, some big moves though in South Africa as well with, with content availability. I mean, when DSTV... So, just go back about a year or so, we had Altec Node going and launching their uh, 
their VOD system, which I don't know if is that's flourishing. Gone. No, no, it's gone. <laughs> but, In uh, fact, Altics unbundled. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't take a digital philosopher to uh, figure out that DSTV were going to react in some way when that happened. And they did with DSTV Now and DSTV Catch Up and DSTV On Demand. And obviously, Explore has really done well. Uh, and it's, it's quite fantastic to see just how... I suppose it's been adopted. Maybe it's just in my circles, but I've seen it being adopted quite regularly. It's not. Just, it's become the way to watch TV. Um, this video on demand. I don't need to watch it with adverts. I can watch it as catch up. Um, and a couple of those series actually being sort of uh, stored, multiple episodes, so you can actually push back into a couple of things if you've missed two weeks, three weeks ago. Uh, so there's this view on how people are watching their content. It, it needs to fit into with into our life schedule rather than us trying to fit into the TV 100%. schedule. I mean, yeah. Well, look at load shedding. Exactly. But load shedding has actually created that kind of mentality here in South Africa because we weren't like that. Think about it a year ago. Yeah. We were happy to sit there and wait for Monday, 3 o'clock for Futurology. Oh, wait, we're not a TV show yet. We were happy to wait <laughs> for 9 o'clock on Monday night to watch Revenge or whatever it was. Um, and then circumstances actually forced us to find ways to consume on demand. Yeah. And I think at least DSTV did step up to the plate. And provide that, yeah. you know. But also with the just the vast amount of content available these days. I mean, there is just so much. I remember when, geez, when I was in varsity or even high school, you used to rush home for like six o'clock so you could watch The Simpsons, and then you could, and then when uh, Wednesdays, Wednesdays at seven o'clock, Friends were on, so you used to watch your like twenty-four minute episode of, of Friends, and those were like pivotal moments in your week. Yeah, you, like Mum, it's Wednesday. Dinner's yep. either going to be at 6 or it's going to be at 8, but yep. not during 7 o'clock because I'm not going to be at the table. But the, Carte Blanche created that as well, remember? Oh, the, the Carte Blanche on the Sunday like night 7 blues. o'clock, you know? Yeah. And you have to be home from the beach or wherever you are because Carte Blanche is starting. Oh, but you I also can't eat, and it's 7 o'clock, and you need to yeah. eat. And then you've got school the next day with the kids. So, it, yeah, no, it, it's, yeah. it's amazing Watts, how that screen drives our lives. Derek Watts, lovely man, but uh, he was kind of like the Grim Reaper to my, <laughs> to my weekend. He uh, was kind of like, <laughs> oh, man, the depression's setting in. Let's go. But that's the thing. Like, content has got such a way of doing things to you as a human being you kind of get fulfilled by it and because there is a so much of it uh you've got to have things like video on demand you've got to have things like catch up so that people are able to have choice uh we've gone past you can't fit all of the available content into a weekly schedule anymore uh look at dcv i mean if you look at what's available on the premium bouquet these days there are hundreds of channels sometimes with like one is an hour behind the other or 30 minutes behind the other yeah um so that they know life is the thing that is, you know, it's variable. There are things that happen. But we are, as humans, quite demanding when it comes to well, this, this idea of instant gratification. I want this and I want it now. So I want to be content with my content. I want to make sure that I love what that, I have. Huh? It's well done on that one, Thanks, Brett. Man, I yeah. need to find that applause button. Awesome. But uh, there we go. I'll pat myself on the back, shall I? Well, I'm going to go back to another one of our joint loves, virtual yes. reality, because okay. lately, I mean, look, well, let's be honest, is, that, there isn't a shortage of it. But that okay. is taking a huge futurology leap, so there's some great discussion. I know. There. Have you come across or seen the, the, the demos on Tilt Brush, a Google offering? So no. I, I'm led I have to an believe, idea already from the name what it might yeah, be. It's, but. It's, I believe it's running through Steam at mm-hmm. the moment, which is also quite interesting that Google used that as its platform. And then, of course, HTC's Vivo got it because that's the next next, next Nexus yes. device. But what it is is basically you don't a VR headset. Yep. You fire up your app, and then you paint in virtual reality. Oh, cool. So you choose your color palettes, okay. and you, you start creating. I mean, if you imagined a psychedelic dream, but now you're dreaming it and 
walking in it. So you can paint in your environment. Okay. It stays in your it's environment. It's like drugs without being on drugs. Well, there we go. Mm-hmm. But, but it's funny you mention that because that's something I wanted to touch on. You can get a euphoric without actually having to go through the poison. So people that are looking to experiment or play, this could be quite a good way of actually conditioning younger people to not need to experiment. All you need is the music. You've got the tool. You can make yeah. it, whatever. And because your senses are dulled because you're wearing a headset and a virtual headset, you're kind of already at a heightened experience anyway. For sure. I was chatting to someone off air earlier um, about Tilt Brush, and he mentioned that he's of the opinion you could actually share it and or encourage other people to come in to your VR world through the, and that's where yeah. Steam comes into okay. it yes. now that's pretty cool yeah. you know you wake up and you go I had this most amazing dream last night well no one can share it yes. so now you can actually recreate these type of moments so Tilt Brush was quite interesting and, and what I liked about it it wasn't just a game or um, a marketing ploy to show you virtual reality it was functional you know what yes. I mean you actually got to play and create stuff with it um, I haven't tried it here. I don't have the Vivo. It's apparently only available on the Vivo headset. But that won't be long until we sort that out. And HTC, Brightwater guys, you're listening? Uh, yeah, please. Uh, Bright Star, sorry. Send one round. We'll be quite happy to have a play. Another interesting thing that popped up on LinkedIn, um, Nokia. Yeah. I saw them recruiting in South Africa. Hey. So, you know, you have your pulse and your jobs and all that, and you get all those notifications. Yes, yes. Under Nokia, jo- uh, under LinkedIn Jobs this week here in South Africa, a Nokia customer marketing person. Now that's interesting. So if, we, if you are the guy looking for someone to work at Nokia, we want to speak to you because we want to know what Nokia is doing that you're employing people. Because hundred percent. Now, I mean, I know Windows have unbundled it, and I know that they're allowed to start making handsets and tablets again. And I was led to believe that was a Chinese um, uh, project. Yes. But they're talking Nokia, not Microsoft, not Lumia. And the actual blue and white Nokia badge was listed. So yeah, I'm do you very know? intrigued. I actually, I actually have a LinkedIn person that's working at Nokia. So we'll we'll knock on some doors, shall we? And get, Fantastic. Get so, yeah, please. I mean, I'd definitely like to know what's going on there because I've actually always said that the day that Nokia made a phone that was Android or iOS, well, it would never be iOS, mm. I would seriously consider switching because their batteries and their build were always legendary. Yeah. Um, it and was hopefully just we can that get funny symbiote in our life. Now that was the original co- contentedness and content. That was go. the original distraction from the world. Do you remember that little black and oh, black man. and green screen snake? It was yeah, it lost, a it new lost game out called color. Solio IO, Stiltio IO, or something. Guys are playing like a worm game, okay. but they're playing against each other, and your name appears on your worm, and you got to miss other people's worms. Good. Bit weird. Yeah, it was yeah. number one on the App Store last week. We're having a discussion about worms next time. Okay, so actually that was from, a cool game as well. But next, from the discussion, <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember worms. From the the interesting of Nokia, I have to go WTF to Instagram. What was this whole new icon about? I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's first of all, Twitter's gone nuts with it with the hate. Okay, but they took. I'm going to give you my view on the Instagram icon as it was. I'm ignorant. Until... I'm ignorant to it, to be honest. I, I tried the Instagram thing, but then I was like, what? But that's, but that strengthens the point I'm about to make. So the whole idea behind Instagram was people that like to take photos, that wanted to do a little bit more very with photos. And, very, and, yeah. and if you actually look at when Instagram started, the real photographers were using and saying, guys, we don't give a shit about your food. Use it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's Facebook. Put yeah. it there. And ironically, they bought them. But yeah. – <laughs> Instagram was about putting together really beautiful content and yeah. using the filters and sharing it. And the icon was an old Instamatic camera with a little yep. three colors, right? Yep. Now they've come up with vomit. Yeah. And they probably paid gazillions for it. I see it now. Okay. I agree. What 
the F. But they've okay. gone mainly on the name now as well as the, the primary logo. So the little icon is this that psychedelic pink yep. and orange thingy. But what is it? Yeah. They've taken what was a standout icon. Now, now here's the thing that bugs me about companies when they do this. In our industry, where we do everything online and we, we share and we live in a social environment and you on your web pages, on your bio pages, all these things, you put the icons, you put the Facebook, the Twitters, you've got the Instagrams. Now you've got to go and change it. People have business cards that are printed. If they've got the old Instagram logo on, they've got to change it. So thanks, Facebook. You really gave the small guy one in the toffee. So well <laughs> done on that. But anyway, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. And, I, and I'm only mentioning it because it doesn't actually affect me and make me lose sleep like some of the other things I've moaned about. I just can't believe how social blew up about this. I mean, yeah. there's, there was a little video clip of like this little kid sitting at one of those old computers and he's like clicking on color palettes and then all of a sudden the logo appears, you know, and he goes with a thumbs up and, and that's what it looks like they've done. Yeah. And they probably paid millions for this yeah. brand and some creative guy with a ponytail the Fibonacci came. sequence and it's there all golden go. mean design and everything. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, I don't know. But it's seeing we mentioned Facebook yeah. um, as the owners of Instagram. This is cool. They are going to allow or it will be available soon that you can put 360 photos in your newsfeed. On Facebook. On Facebook. Oh, cool. So that's quite cool. So if you shoot to 360, because the guys are playing in that space oh, now with all this. It's really nice on YouTube. There's a lot of beta testing that you're able to do. And so they, really cool. they've they now announced uh, last week, Wednesday, I think it was, that you can actually, um, um, what do you call it, put 360 photos into your Facebook. So that's the thing. I mean, with, with VR, uh, and 360 videos, the idea that content, the, the sort of planar content, the, the content that lives just in a two dimensional plane is not enough anymore. We want to be so immersed in the content that we choose that it's got to be all around us. Um, so two weeks ago I was in London. I was at the TV connect conference. Wait, we're going to get to that. No, no, now. I know, but I, I, this is <laughs> specifically relevant. And, uh, 360 was one of the things I was looking for. Specifically live, 360. Yeah. And with all the sort of case studies coming up about uh, concerts and stuff that are out there, uh, sports, we are looking into sports. We're doing a lot of R&D around sports and VR. Um, and uh, I got to try out a, a, a live 360 thing, which we're, we're bringing into the country, which is very exciting. And um, I'm not going to name drop or do anything more to punt it, but it's happening. And uh, the exciting thing is that you can literally be part of the crowd. So you mean I'm going to be interviewing you soon Again. as our guest. Yeah. So there, there's the Brett 3. Brett St. Clair, we need you in on that day when Brett 2 tells yeah. us what he's doing soon. Yes, so I don't need to be the host that day. No, you can be the guest. Again, cool. Nice. nice. So that's kind of what 360 is like, though. It's like watching a, a an event inside an event inside of content. So you are sitting, you're now not at the crowd. You're not in the crowd, but you're in the crowd. You're watching a live event like you would be in the crowd, but it's the same as you would be watching uh, on TV. Well, remember, we chatted about that with Live Nation last week. Yes. So this is the similar sort of thing. Now, with the sports event, now you've got 360 VR. Now, generally, nobody at a, in a stadium would turn around and look behind them. You don't want to see the, <laughs> the guy that's about to spill his beer on you. I was going to say, you could turn around and see a guy's face. Yeah. That's so exactly so, so 360, 360 video starts to lose its sort of appeal to why would you warrant all of that streaming bandwidth with content behind you. Yeah. So what they've done now is you've got the live game as you would have it in front of you on the field. You're looking down. But you turn around and to your right, there's a floating screen, an augmented VR screen showing you instant replay. Oh, that's Directly cool. behind you is the score of the game. So you can actually see what the score is, who scored the tries. You've got all this information. You have to look like a dork though turning around, but 
you you do you've got access to this additional information which now makes use of the why you have the bandwidth on the other side then you can have uh sort of your iso so you can choose your favorite player and they'll have an iso camera at some point uh following that favorite player or the action cam so wherever the ball is literally just a close up of the ball she which said is would be which is incredible. cool the thing is now you're going to find guys that are actually at the game because they like, they like they like beer and beer and and they're going to be at the game <laughs> with a VR headset watching the game in VR I'm thinking of the medical aspects of this. Yeah. We'll have a new thing called VR Naculus Tunnel Syndrome. From sitting there turning your head around too much in 80 minutes trying to get all the content, you <laughs> get a neck. Yeah, you get a VR neck. VR Nekula. There we are. It'll be called VR, VR Nekula. Fantastic. Um, no, that's awesome. Okay, so here we are talking about Whiplash. Yes. They did the Hyperloop test in oh, Nevada cool, this weekend, yes, yes, yes. Th- this last week. For anyone who doesn't know what Hyperloop is and the story behind it, this is something I've actually been following quite closely. This guy came up with the concept of almost using mm-hmm. quantum travel. So you go from. You're talking like, about Elon Musk's test that they did. I'd, he wasn't involved on Hyperloop, was he? Well, he's doing something in it, but yeah, what's the one? That- I'm not sure. No, Hyperloop now have actually changed from, they now call themselves Hyperloop Technologies or something. So yes. the guy that came up with the whole electromagnetic propulsion. Yes. Gave it away. He's given the technology. Wow. This was years ago. Okay. He wanted to better mankind, help for transportation, blah, blah, all those good, warm, fuzzy things. So he made the technology and the plans and the blueprint available free. And he, he basically said, he doesn't have the money to make it happen, but if you do, please do. He yeah. wants just – so going fast forward now to the present, what it basically does is that you can get a vehicle up to about 300 miles per hour. Sorry, so just, just to create you out, the, the latest blog is 400 miles an hour. 400, 400. miles. 400. Just okay. add another 100 miles per I mean, hour. I can't do you? that in, in my head, the kilometer change, but it's like Mach 2. It's, it's quick. It's, yeah. Quick. Well, not to 100 miles an hour in one second. That's what it did. They showed the video. Yeah. You can Google it. You'll find it. But fundamentally, what will happen is they build a pipe, yes. hence the, the loop. You'll sit inside a vehicle, so there's no visual sickness because you can imagine at that speed. Yeah, geez. And you'll go from the east coast to the west coast in 30 minutes or so? seconds yeah. or minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's the idea. But I watched this, and what looked like a derailment, because this thing took off. I mean, oh, it shit. really took off, and then it just banged into sand. Um, and when you read the article, they haven't figured out how to stop it. So they just put sand on the track. So, of course, it hit the sand. It canceled the electromagnetic pulses, and the thing stopped, which was clever. Yeah. Um, but you're saying 400 miles. Per, I guarantee it will be seven or eight by the time they're ready to go. So check out USA Today. I've got probably the most recent article on it. And I mean, I'm just looking through it now, and it was actually launched uh, yesterday. It was uploaded. looks fantastic. Oh, sorry. Not, uh, it was – yeah. It's, it's a recent USA Today article. Check it out. It's amazing. Cool. Um, but yeah, if you've got any questions on things like Hyperloop, on the future of things, the future of travel, the future of content, and just some cool stuff that you may have seen, your daily awesome. We've got a thing that we call the daily awesome. So if we find something that's worth sharing, we'd love the, the listeners to, to send that in. Tweet us, hashtag Futurology, and we'll take a look at it. And uh, we something to talk about because there's so much amazing there's, stuff there's out there. There's some amazing stuff. I mean… I'm nearly finished before we get into the exciting stuff, but there were two more things that came across the radar last week in in prepping. The one is that Disney has canceled the Infinity Gaming um, genre and family. You know those little it's, – it's like what uh, the guys who were Skylanders, Disney did with their characters. Yes, yes. They reckon they've achieved what they wanted to with it. Um, so the question is now, does that become a collectible? You know, because they're all figurines and they're originals. Yeah. Um, or does that just become dust collectible? So, I mean, are you going to be content having all the infinite? Yeah. 
Yeah, but some Ataris are worth money. So I I tried Infinity. I will be honest. My son was at the age when Skylanders was quite appealing. So this, of course, came out. So we tried it. Um, I didn't enjoy it. I must be honest. I really didn't. It, I didn't immerse into it the way I thought I would. But um, yeah, all, so they've actually pulled the plug. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah well. and it's Disney, you yeah. know. And the last thing that I wanted to, which I think was great to lead us into today's main content discussion, the Skeleton Coast um, yeah. out on the west of Africa, which is there's a section of the sea called Donkey for the surfers. Mm-hmm. And they used a drone. So it happens like between now, like May and I think September, where these waves just break in perfect tubes and they're like never ending. So they they just dr- go. Drone in the tube. They use it. Well, that was a part that disappointed me. So oh. they used a drone to film it, yeah. but they never went right down close to the water. But what, what blew my mind Come on, away. Daddy Warbucks, if you got all the bucks, you got to take your Phantom 4 into the tube. No, you don't have to take it into the water though, even. You can take it down close enough to oh, the water. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were a little bit too far away. Oh, yeah. But what was quite freaky about it is you read the article. So it says you need a good wetsuit, lots of boards because it's on the sandbanks. So you smash oh, your boards well. yeah. and you need to be aware of sharks. And as the footage starts, there is this mother-sized shark in the water. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the, but it was really, really cool to see it. I mean, it was just such a nice piece of content, like watching these guys riding Absolutely never-ending waves. That's fantastic. So that was kind of my weekend review. Um, yeah. So, Brett, you mentioned it, and we did try and mention it last week. You were in the UK two weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Already, huh? It's two weeks, yeah. Two weeks. Jeez. It's nuts. Um, what is, it's the TV broadcast show. We're talking about second, third, fourth screen permutations, right? Well, that's one of the things. Oh, that's one thing that we've always looked at, and one of the things that was, was definitely there. Um to be honest, the big thing, it was the TV Connect conference that we went okay. to in London. And there's, it's happening again in South Africa in Cape Town in November. Uh, it's going to be buddied up with the AfricaCom conference. So looking forward to that. Um, but the big thing was cloud base. How do we get what traditionally used to be on big pieces of hardware that cost millions? How do we optimize this process and put it all cloud? The one major feature, which I was really impressed to see, was um, menu systems, EPGs. On devices. Do you want to explain that? So an EPG is an electronic programming guide. Uh, But essentially when you push I or you push your catch-up button or your DCV button on your remote for an Explorer, it actually opens the entire catch-up menu and you see all the – and if you're in uh, Kodi or any of those other sort of Netflix, it's it's the interface. It's the, uh, for want of a better word, the operating system. But they've done a lot of work with how the information on these things starts to populate. So – it becomes our streaming content was big as well. They, they've noticed, obviously, there's this trend with everybody streaming from their preferred streaming partner, whether it be a Netflix or a Hulu or a Kodi uh, or anybody else that they might have. All these digital repositories now have access on set almost. So these guys are either selling set-top boxes or they're selling uh, screens that have this access. They've also realized that people aren't just content with the content they're watching. They also need to be content with how they're interfacing with it. So That's important. I it mean, is. You know I've chatted UI, UX exactly. many times. It's, and ultimately, it all comes down to experience. I mean, most of the digital stuff that you and I ever work with or ever talk about, the experience is the thing that stands out the most. And that's the thing that makes something shareable or makes something notable. There's a reason why you push like to something. It's not just because it was a kitty falling off of a fridge or it was because of somebody's new baby or something. <laughs> there was a reason that, you know. Kitty falling off yeah. of a fridge. There's, there's the other things that we, I mean, I use that sometimes when I'm talking about it and I get teased a lot, but if, if people's, if I start seeing the top of people's heads, I'm assuming they're blogging something amazing I've just said, which is fantastic. They're going to tweet it. But uh, if I need people to look up, we talk about, uh, 
kitties playing off, or falling off fridges, and then we talk about giraffe sex because there really is content for everything. There is there is an audience for everything, uh, and that's a surprising thing with so much content available um, of, on YouTube online. Uh, everybody is now a content provider. Yeah. Everybody with a phone yep. that can point at their camera uh, is producing content and is also sharing content. Uh, and just uh, a quick stat. I mean, there are 1.3 billion people that use YouTube, and that's a stat as of 2016. Uh, every single minute, there are 300 hours of video uploaded to YouTube. There are almost 5 billion videos that are watched on YouTube Every single day. That's mad. Every single day. It's so, mad. So we said we couldn't even fathom 400 miles an hour. These are numbers that start to just, what? Like, it becomes the new unexplored space. We, we talk about what we've explored more of space than we have of the seas and of our own planet. YouTube is one of those unexplored yeah. places. There is no way that one person could watch all of this stuff. Uh, so this idea is that with it being so big, you have to start defining how you do that. And that's where the user experience for this menu system comes into being. And like you said, with the next episode, it starts to track what you like. Yeah. Um, and we've started to search, especially when it comes to content, we've started to search for three main points of relevance. They can be anything, but you've got to be after at least three points. It's no, it's no longer a thing to be like, oh, cool, let's hang our hat on one point of relevance. You need to be relevant in three spaces. Uh, and that's sort of the idea as well with engaging content. Uh, I, I've, often called myself an engaging content specialist as well as a digital philosopher but the idea of that is and a kitty falling off the fridge giraffe sex notary consultant person, person consultant, yes. how do we yes. how do we make sure that you're in frame and it's all perfect and you're at the right giraffes at the right age because they've got to consent 100 um, percent. so the uh, the idea then is you've got to make sure that engaging content actually ticks some boxes and i've said it, i've said it a few times on the show that my philosophy of engaging content is it must entertain inform and empower and if you're doing those things, it really starts to make a difference. And that's those are the points of relevance we try to look for. Like, how are people going to view this? Do they want to view it? Because it's really difficult to try and talk to anybody or actually impart any sort of knowledge or information if they're not you don't have their attention first. And that's sort of that leads us into an education question later as well, which is why ADD and all these things starts to play a role. And looking further into how content is playing a part we we don't just have one screen in the house anymore we we're not a one screen society we're not even a two screen society so i think most people would fall down on the fact that we're a three screen society and the three screens would be your tv and your lounge and you've got your phone and you've got your tablet now I, i'm honestly a, a four screen society i'm four as well so definitely yeah with um, with the apple watch now you've got Five. even more so you've got even more but let's fall down on a four screen society so you've got your main screen in the house in your lounge, you've got your tablet, you've got your laptop open, and I've got my phone sort of maybe tucked under my leg or somewhere nearby. Uh, the thing is, the biggest screen in the house doesn't necessarily demand the most attention. And that's the thing that gets me really excited because that means we can start discussion with viewers. That means that traditional mediums of content delivery like television are no longer the way things are done. Yeah. So we're not, brands aren't shouting anymore, they're actually conversing. You've got an opportunity to, hey, hashtag, let's get involved in the conversation, let's tweet, let's do this. And uh, it's just really exciting to be in that space to to know that uh, that exists as a as a as a platform. So the one problem with all of this is that because we're all so discerning about what we watch, when we watch it, how we watch it, it kind of leaves a very little gap for advertisers. So talking into marketing space, and you and I have this, we have this battle almost all the time. How do we get our brands that are our clients, and how do we get 
people to recognize brands. Now, there's been a massive push. There's a reason why all these new series are coming out. And if you, you watch closely, there's incidental branding. Sure. They'll I'm, be drinking coffee, but they won't just be drinking any coffee. They're going to Starbucks or they're pushing an espresso button or there's something else. And uh, there's this big push for big movie stars to start making better appearances in TV series. That wasn't by accident. That was because of advertising. They need a certain number of people to start watching the screen and you know, B-list character actors or something don't just cut it anymore. We have to get George Clooney playing a role. We have to get uh, Kevin Spacey onto House of Cards. Uh, we need to get him to fund it. It needs to be a case study. There needs to be stories around stories. See, content generates content. I, I was going to just – sorry to cut you off there. No, cool. I was thinking about this the other day. You hit the nail on the head. As a marketer, my biggest challenge – you know, if I rewind 20 years ago, mm. I could sit with a client and say, put a billboard up on the highway – and I guarantee you 60,000 eyeballs a day and everyone remember your brand. And I was right because yeah. that was one billboard on a highway. Um, the only thing that would actually compete with me would be the radio in the car. That would, that would be it. Yeah. Now, um, in the cars, connected, connected cars, the phones and car kits and all those good things. But you mentioned earlier at the show that they were talking about cloud and holding content in the cloud. Now, here's an interesting thing and maybe they've done it and this is futurology, so if they haven't, you know, it can be done, and I'm sure it will come. If if brand or marketers had to engage the UniCloud environment, so in other words, ignore the screen, ignore the single pane of glass. We don't yeah. care which one it is, one through four or five. It's totally irrelevant. Put your content into the place where the content is being delivered from. Let the machines, and we're going back to IoT here and mm-hmm. machine to machine, let the machines start to study the panes of glasses out there and see what they are actually doing and what, what's being shown. And then based on the demographics, start seeing the information. And what I'm getting to, because your house and my house are probably identical, okay, in the sense of our, our tech. And stuff, yeah. um, as soon as something on, on the main screen, the TV, loses me, I'm onto a tablet, mm. okay, or a laptop, whichever mm. I'm working at the time. It's very rare that I have both next to me straight away, mm. but I'll have one of them. And then, of course, the phone will buzz or whatsapp will come through but now what i'm starting to see is using things like notifier so my twitter comes up on my laptop screen but it also comes up on my watch it also comes up on my on my phone yeah and it comes up on my tv because i've logged into the smart account on on my gmail account yeah so maybe this whole disruption and this whole fragmentation that we're experiencing is actually a big widening Mm. that will actually come back down to a focal point Mm. because they'll be able to hit me Somewhere, because all those screens are actually engaged through the same platforms anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Thought? or What I like to think about it, though, is – and I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's exactly – well, that's exactly what happens. Um, I've heard a lot of whines from maybe the silver surfers out there, the, my, my dad's generation and uh, and stuff. But the uh, the idea that they're overwhelmed with all this information. I don't want to be connected all the time. I don't want to be informed of everything yep. that happens every single of the time in every place that I look. Um I know that my wife uses television as an escape channel, as an escape medium. So she purposefully will not be part of the three-screen society, although she often joins it. But the uh, the idea that for her, the big screen in the house definitely does demand the attention. She won the uh, the remote in, in our marriage deal, but that's fine for me because I've got content everywhere else. I was going to say, it's fine. But with advertisers having such a fight on their hands to try and get to people, they are left with this strategy of disruption of disruptive behavior they have to disrupt your daily patterns they have to get involved and that gets us outside of television as well so think about candy crush so candy crush is a free game 
But at the bottom of the free game, in the lower third, there's that little Google ad that pops up and yep. says, hey, have you bought your latest boots from Spree? Because you looked at Spree on your laptop, so you must be someone that likes Spree, and or you looked at it on your phone on the browser earlier, so now we've got a cookie collected and we're tracking you. Now, invasion of privacy or just really relevant marketing. I personally would prefer to have relevant stuff shown to me rather than having timeshare people phone me I agree all the time 100%. I mean, we spoke about that last week with the pocket slip guys. Yeah. Are they extracting relevance for us? And that's that's the thing. I think for the most part, they're not trying to be underhanded or or there's no ulterior motive to why we track your usage. It's I mean, if you're going to go and do some shady stuff, that's you know got to be on your conscience. But marketers and advertisers are left with this idea of how do we talk to these people? And like it or not, you have an option. You can play free stuff because people have paid for it for you to get developed. So Angry Birds, when it first came out, there was I think there was advertising you in that paid? one. No, no. iOS, you paid. Yes. Android was Android free with AdServe, and that's yes. why they went that route. They were making more money. And for the most part, let's call these games the light games where you're not being advertised. It's sort of blatant, unabated, just I'm going to advertise to you. That's total disruption. But now you've chosen that. You've chosen to sit in the room. You've yeah. chosen to be in the audience. Uh, if you don't like it, leave. But so the light version's free. You get that. That's why the push then to the the full version of the game. Now, the trick there is, is the AdWords, is the disruptive advertising then becoming the hindrance to freemiums? Or is it actually becoming the push to to actually buying new apps and who who benefits from that app purchase. Well, I mean, even move it from apps. Okay, take take Hulu. That's a great yeah, example. Not too many, service, yeah. yeah. Not too many South Africans use Hulu. You know, the Netflix seems to be the main thing yeah. here. But with Hulu, you have two packages. They're mm-hmm. both paid. You pay $8 for um, the ad-funded package, and then you pay, I think it's $12 for the non-ad-funded. I've experienced both. And let me tell you, it's the best $4 a month you can spend because the show starts with an advert. So it has an ad roll of 10 or 15 seconds. And while that's happening, your show is buffering in the background. Correct. Yes. No, and I get, I get that and it's yeah. done. That's fine. But you're watching a series. So let's say it's a 24-minuter, mm. okay? Um, they'll put five ad breaks inside that. And it'll be three ads mm-hmm. per ad break. It'll yeah. actually pop up and say one of three. Um, and each ad is 10 or 15 seconds. So it's a full 30 seconds like you would get on normal TV. The part is you're paying for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people say, hold on a second. I'm paying for the service. It's still $8. Yeah. And you're still ad serving me. Their argument, which I think is brilliant, is yes, but we still have to be able to make money to keep this live. We're not yes. going to make money off $8 yeah, a nothing, month. Yeah, nothing for nothing. Lessons. Correct. Yeah. However, we've heard you. We hear what you're saying. Go to, go to uh, $12 or whatever it is. Yeah. And we remove the ads. And I must tell you that in this on-demand, needing content environment, mm. those extra five minutes or whatever that you save, uh, it's worth it's worth it. Yeah. So everyone's happy. You've paid your money. You've got your content. But the advertisers are now finding another barrier to entry because now these these premium services are removing what was a captive audience that could be measured by demographic. Because remember, yes. that's the thing as well. Yeah. The ads that were served were relevant to you. Yeah. They were Budweiser beer because yeah. I like beer. They were um, new sneakers or, or whatever it was. I wasn't getting stuff that wasn't relevant. So they spent all their time and energy profiling me, and I've just gone and paid $4 to turn it off. Now they've got to find me again. Yeah. And that's thousands of dollars to find but me just again. Just imagine how much more relevant it will be then. Well, yeah, we I mean, there's the a hope. flip side. As yeah. I said, I'm, I'm, 
I'm all for advertising. I'm quite happy to if I get something for free mm. and it's served with ads, I've got to accept that I won't moan yeah. about it. Um, but I just, you know, again, are you content with your content? Yes. We're not. Yeah. We've, we're talking about how many three three hundred hours a minute. What what's going up on YouTube? Uh, sorry, a I second or that one. It was like it was ridiculous. A minute, a day, whatever. Three hundred hours of video uploaded every minute. Yeah. Okay. I can't watch that ever. No, you can't. No so, one can. How can I ever be content with my content? Because I'm. It's that I want more. I want to know what else is out there. And people yeah, are always sure. like saving and adding to queues and all these type of things. I wanted to ask you when you were at the show. Was there a company called Ex Machina from Holland? No. Okay. I'm sure there well, were companies there similar to this. Let me tell you what they did, which I thought was brilliant. Um, when I was still involved with the TV industry. They built a platform, cloud-based platform, that was designed for reality-type shows. So, you yeah. know, it's got talent and all these things, the voice, yes. where you sat at home and engaged with the show live. You yeah. voted online. Yeah. You took a poll. You did all these weird and wonderful things. But what you were doing is you were being locked into the primary screen, which yeah. was the content, whichever screen it was. Yeah. If you're watching on your tablet, your computer, they were keeping you locked in because they realized – you were going to drift. You know, yeah. you're going to be like Finding Dory. Off yeah. you go, and you're not coming back. And of course, that's that channel hopping yeah. uh, mentality that we had in the in the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, Beat the remote, hundred yeah. percent. Now, were those type of things there? Because I do believe that's that's going to help brands learn. Yeah. Because whatever button you push, it's going to help producers of content. Because this is something mm. I don't think anyone's really touched on. Mm. These guys are spending. Millions to put this content together, yeah. and they've got no guarantees because they don't know if their ad revenue is actually going to kick in. Well, they're saying that about four percent of a decision with anything digital is based on their ROI. Like they're they're not really interested in, in general financial return on investment. They're, how well is this actually tracking? Um, so TV four percent's low though. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. So you have to try and justify it somewhere else. Yeah, um, whether it's engagement or something else, it doesn't need to necessarily return in a closed loop sale or anything it's just we do we're going to do this purely because we know people will be watching because the experience is worth it so it's sort of a it becomes the marketing expense is going out there there's there's more people going to be spending more brands going to be spending more money on better content right um on youtube everybody's seen it you can you can get rid of the ads but there's that five second click if you want so and i'm just going to pause there for a second i'll come back to this uh, will you? I will. You know, I don't. We're actually going to pause because <laughs> in content these days, you can actually pause and okay. you pick it up again. But the idea here that I've had with, with how content is changing and how it's thing is that we know that the only thing constant in life is change. And we know that if we're going to expect improvement, we have to accept that change will come. Yeah. You can't improve something if you're not going to be willing to change it. Um, with that, I really do believe that we're going through a digital renaissance at the moment where we're coming up with new ways of doing things because it has to be. Uh, things are changing to a point where you're forced to think of the better way to do it. Right. And I like that. I like the, and so while there might be a bit of a struggle or a bit of a, a latency and adoption, there's this idea that things are changing and you have to get clever with it. You can't just put shit up and expect people to watch it. Yep. It has to be it's good. It's so true you say that because actually there's a pause moment. I mean, if you remember the 90s, mm. people would make decisions for us. They'd go and buy TV shows. They'd bring – and I'm people being DSTV because, I mean, look, the local SABC, and it's, it's a waste of time. But they would give us what like they to hear wanted. What you think about that, though? Yeah, but they would give us what they wanted us no, to see. No, for sure, it was all you know, framed. Yeah, it, it wasn't. We had there was no context to it. Now, as you're saying, I don't have to watch your shit anymore. Yeah. I can watch what I want to watch when I want to watch exactly. it. 
and they have to listen to that. Yeah. And it becomes a lot more difficult to try and frame content. You can't tell people what to watch anymore. They're going to kind of pick and choose as they want. The nice thing about that with this idea of a digital renaissance means that we're going through an information revolution. We're going through this idea of the type of information I now expose myself is relevant to me all of the time. Yeah. Which means that I can make relevant decisions to me pretty much all of the time, which means we've got a proactive crowd out there, which is why crowdsourcing is starting to work so well, which is why market analytics becomes so important. A, because we've left the advertiser somewhere in the dust. Market analytics become a real true measure of how things are going to work. With on-demand, with the multi-screen society, we're able to real-time track the analytics, whereas before it was always a thumbsuck, this traditional broadcast. We may or may not have this much uh, listeners or this many viewers. Yeah. Now we've got real numbers and we've got real demographics which is really fantastic and that makes it easier for producers of content to craft relevant amazing content Specifically are they doing it i mean yeah. did you see did you see were there any producers no. at the show so it was more there's, about the tech look the there's tech always producers they're always there is some they're always visiting um but, the psychology of things is always there uh, whether or not people are like, looking for ways to keep people engaged on the big screen and on their mobile phones at the same time that's always the idea sure. um what the uh, what is there is the enablement of it all. So, yes, we want you to play noughts and crosses on the screen while watching the streamed service in the background and talking to not just one phone but two phones, not just in the same room but three rooms. So one of the demonstrations I saw was a QR code that pops up on the EPG, the Electronic Programming yeah, yeah. Guide, while streaming content, and then you click the same QR code, and you and I all of a sudden doing an IM on our big screen oh, using our mobile phones cool. as well so we can track the conversation. There's a, I actually mentioned, I think, as the app of the week, it's called Rabbit, where okay. you and I can watch the same content together. Yes. You know, via, via online. So I don't have to be sitting watching it by myself yeah. going, I've got no one to talk to. I can actually invite you and bring you into the room, virtual room with me. But, you know, when you talk about listening to what consumers want, I mean, let's take something like Idols. That should have died many years ago. I mean, they've really, Thrashed it to See death. what Gareth has to say about that as well. Yep. No, but I mean, it's, it, it, I'm sure he'd even agree with that. The point is that it's been done. It's, it's finished. What are we on now? Series 12? I 13? don't know about yeah, but globally, yeah, it's 13, 14 or so. It's, it's done. Yeah, yeah. That's why things like The Voice. The Voice they, is doing fantastic. The Voice, well. but now I was getting to it. What The Voice did there was different. Let's be honest. It's singing. Mm. It's the same thing. But the audience engages. Yes. They vote. They play on their chair. They turn the chair oh. around. They do all this but kind of cool stuff. the tweets coming through and the way 100%. they've in integrated it. Yeah. So they've set up and they've gone, how do we keep these people interested? Yep. Everyone wants to hear good singing. Yeah. Uh, that's never going to change. I mean, from the dawn of time, we've, we've grouped around and watched people. Occasionally you want to see bad singing as well. Well, so that's the fun part. Yeah. I mean, that's where that, that, what are they called? The, the, the wooden, wooden spoon. wooden markers on the, yeah. yeah. Um, mic, yeah. But I want my opinion to appear somewhere. Yeah. So if I can jump on Twitter and go, this guy sucks or this guy's awesome, 100%. Fame. But someone yeah. might actually do it. Yeah. You know, they might actually say, you're right or yeah. whatever. Now they've locked me in. Now yeah. it's my show. Yeah. I own it. I've posted my whole one micro millisecond of cyber fame. But it was mine. Yes. I didn't have to sit there and wait. And that's that's sort of the idea with being content with your content is that you have this perceived ownership of the content that you have. The fact that you can share something of content on Facebook as you. Yeah. Uh, a, it's relevant to family members and friends that you might be targeting it at. But you've, you've created that. So there's a sense of pride and ownership. But the same way with these above the line, these big series where you're actually able to engage on that level. It's fantastic. And we've been working with local producers and production companies here to work on how to get maybe the mechanics or the formats of, of 
game shows and stuff to be more digital, to be more engaging. So uh, back in the day, we used to say, hey, SMS this to this number yeah, and all that. And that. Everybody tried to get in the revenue share of that. And that's kind of gone. I mean, with the, the free mediums out there, you've got Twitter, you've got social media, you've got all these things. And people are, would much rather do that. But it's not about trying to make money off of these things. It's about trying to get the engagement up because if they're engaged, they're watching. And then that introduces the advertiser back into the Well, I mean, Shazam, Shazam had a very good run with that when they yeah. were putting that uh, audio code into, oh, into their content that yeah. you don't know when it's coming. Mm. So you have to watch the content. You can't take your eyes off and you have to use your second screen to Shazam. Yeah. You know, the one that's in your hand is the one that's got the app on you it. You just got to pray like hell that everybody can do it in 30, 30 seconds. Open, but if they've yeah. got the app open because you're waiting to Shazam, yeah. they can start using push. Yes. They can start pushing content through to your second screen. So they're yeah. engaging with you on two screens simultaneously. Yeah. That's brilliant. So coming back to being content, it's about <laughs> – okay, you couldn't hide that one. Sorry. I was just sure if I was going to say bless you or <laughs> yeah, I was just cough. Just sneeze. Or, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Just sneeze, cough, babe. <laughs> At least you know it's real yeah, people. It's we're real. not bots. Look, we're live. Okay. Um, so the idea then of uh, – being content means that you own it, means that you've, you feel like you've earned it, means that it's yours, means that you don't mind the stuff that happens. And the great thing about that means that there is now a door open for advertisers, for relevance. That means it's qualitative research you're doing. It means that the money you're spending or the brands are spending, there are, there are ROIs coming back anyway. That's pretty transparent these days. Yeah. Um, you want to meet Mary who lives down the road in halfway house and likes to eat, you know, a kilogram of ribs every month. You could probably catch her on some sort of MasterChef show, and you can get into that thing. I'm laughing because I got a Mimi this week. Mary had a little lamb. It's a picture of Mary uh, with a lamb, and the had. next one is head. And there's a guy with a spit bra, <laughs> and you saying Mary who likes to eat. She likes to eat ribs. But there's, in fairness, there's a discussion in fairness, of content. I think I saw the same thing. <laughs> but, but that shows you content. Yes. I mean, here we're talking about something with the the, the petrobytes of content out there, and you and I both saw yeah. the same thing. Why? So, it was shareable. Yeah. It had relevance to us at that moment in time. There are the sort of four things, the four things that I've sort of viewed on, on YouTube viewership or online video content specifically. People like to watch people. There's relevance yeah. immediately with yep. human beings. Uh, so memes work fantastically well because we can kind of relate to a lot of what's going on. Um, they're easily shareable, which makes it great. But then in terms of, uh, the four different things. There's aspirational things. There's inspirational things. There's amazing things. And then there's amusing things. And if you fit into one of those four categories of, uh, of, of video content or any content for that matter, the chances of being picked up for relevance is pretty good. To find a hashtag that fits specific videos is the difficult thing. Uh, some guys will use, uh, babe, croc babe. Mm. hashtag and they hope that you're going to try and i don't know for some reason watch some girl going through a river getting eaten by crocs and then it, you watch it and it's completely different so there's this sort of misguided approach to relevant content as well that they're hoping that you're going to see something friggin' amazing or crazy uh but it's you know it's, it's the timeshare salesman again asking if you want to go downtown schlanger again but there's there's there are ways that marketers are, are using the new technology or the new ways or the new trends that are following out there for how people are engaging with content and I like the fact that that's happened. I don't want us to feel sorry for the advertisers. I think they're going to get creative, and I think that's why they exist. Um, at the same time, I think that it's fantastic that the, the end users get to experience what they get to experience. They get to craft their own engagement with content, making them truly content. Yeah. And because they have power of that, 
they can they're, they're in control i think the, the 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 golden question is if you had to do a survey and say if we charged you for content and removed all form of of brand messaging and that you know would you pay i'm i'm pretty confident everyone would say not everyone but the majority would say no yeah. because They've, we've accepted the fact that branding and advertising brings us good content. What I am seeing, and I hope that this trend continues, mm. is we're seeing great content being made by brands. I mean, the Johnny Walker Blue campaigns that they did with Jude yeah. Law. Yes. Do you remember those? Yes. The bet, the gentleman's bet, But now, bet, how whatever. much of that was actually about the whiskey? It wasn't. Yes. But that was. But here it is, and I remember it. Whereas yes. if you said to me, do you remember that advert where that dude did this and this and that? And yes. I'll, I'll remember it. Yeah. I'll say, yeah. What was the brand? Yeah. Not a clue. So that's called, that's called figuring ground problems. Well, so there it is. If you've got a figuring ground, like everybody remembers that wonderful uh, the ad with the elephants and the little baby elephant rocks around in the, in the mud. And then at the end, the two elephants are walking away and the mum puts a towel on the baby. Do you remember I don't that? I remember that. No. Okay, there was an ad like that a while back, and everybody's like, "Cool, it's a paint." No, it was all about how you can clean your towels or something like that, and you, you stay soft. Sure. Okay. And it was see. like you're getting it's clean. It's like, yeah. well, I think they actually took that ad and then made it plastic on. You know, it's a paint that lasts, not the dirt. But there are things that stick, and there are things that don't stick, and it's about being clever about it. Like Tag Heuer have done the same thing. I know yeah. that Shell Helix, the oil. No, how on earth do you advertise oil to human beings? You don't yeah <laughs> you have to get creative with it so what they did is they put uh henry cavill and they put i think not jude law but a whole bunch of the a-class actors they were all relevant to that point they put them into these great cars these toyotas hiluxes put fill them up with shell helix put them in the desert put them in the middle of the antarctic made them do amazing things with these aspirational people yeah 100 percent. and now the brand campaign and in between you're saying the only reason why we're able to drive these cars in these conditions is because of the shell heater. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've got to get close to wrapping up, but yes. I mean, the best example of that is mm. Red Bull. Look at what these guys have done. I mean, you now get a company called Red Bull Media. They have an amazing app available cross-platform. In fact, yeah. the Apple TV comes with it preloaded on. You get to see unbelievable content, mm-hmm. and their brand is Everywhere without being anywhere. It's yeah. on the helmet. It's on the clothes. It's on the ramps. It, but they haven't put a single picture of a can anywhere, yeah. which ultimately, this is a company that sells one product. There are derivatives. There's yes. flavors. They come and go. Yeah. But it's a it's a uni product. And yet, they own Formula One Racing. They, in my opinion, are probably one of the best branded content con- companies out there. Yeah. Um, they got it right. Yeah. And I think… You know, as I said, with uh, Johnny Walker Blue, yes, love it's it. not a whiskey I would choose. Okay, no. I can't afford a Johnny Walker Blue. But the point is, is that it's resonated and yes. it appealed, and they just hit the sweet spot. You're a Jude Law fan now. Yeah. I just want a yacht. Uh, yeah, I After like that one. Wasn't there one with a car as well? They oh, did a sure. they did a few in the in that series. Look, anyway, I mean, we know in the future it's still always going to be all about the content and the relevance and I think as long as these guys learn to drill down and understand us as individual viewers and I think more importantly one thing we didn't say and we have to wrap it up but the thing we didn't say is that in those multi-screens within a home are then also multiples thereof because you sitting with multiple your family sitting with yep. multiple, and we all got different pieces of content going. All the goal is to get experience. us into the same thing. Exactly. You know? So people blame it on. Quickly to wrap up, the the thought of ADD, attention deficit disorder. Sorry. Yeah, I call it another digital device, ADD, and Very that's cool. the idea: is that 
because there's another digital device, you need to know how to, how to meet those people where they are. And that's the challenge for advertisers. And that's the joy of being the end user. So it's fantastic. That's a good one. Yeah. Brett, I actually, I'm, I'm being serious. I really enjoyed our time today. This we, cool. got, yeah. we got, we got content with this nice, content. I was content with this content. Hopefully everyone else is. Next week we have got a, a guest in. Uh, cool. Very exciting. Uh, but yeah, until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. This is cliffcentral.com.